Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, where every week we strive to lead younger generations on a path to virtue through the insight of Stoic teachings and personal stories from our lives as Gen Z Stoics. Welcome to this week's episode of the Gen Z Stoic, where we're going to be doing another unscripted episode. The first unscripted episode did really well, got a lot of good feedback, got a lot of engagement. And so we decided, hey, let's do it again, because we, like we said in the previous one, we really enjoy doing unscripted. We really enjoy revealing kind of our personality to our audience besides the philosophical stuff, just getting to know us personally. And the unscripted episode is a good way to do that. So today, in current events, Fortnite, OG map is back. We're going to relate this to stoicism, I swear, but the Fortnite OG map is back, and I have been on that grind this week how about you yeah it is back uh we have like a e-game or an e-sports center a gaming center in our gym so you know sometimes occasionally i'll walk in and just catch a w or two you said you had a 50 percent win rate which is kind of crazy consider how much you've been playing but yeah so it is back and i think to connect it to stoicism right if you want to be really philosophical with this it gives us a very nostalgic feeling a very beautiful feeling of home and i think often you know the the feelings that you attribute to your upbringings and to your childhood and your roots going back to those is very healthy it's very healthy to return your mind to that state of being peaceful and feeling you know comfortable sometimes obviously you don't want to live in a state of comfort forever but those feelings of immense happiness and inner peace are very healthy to return to and so we know that the Fortnite OG map has helped us return to these feelings of nostalgia and inner peace in a way. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I was just saying before we uh, started recording that I at this point, it's been out for what, like two weeks, week and a half. Like I'm already tired of Fortnite and like the game itself kind of boring. But it's the feeling of like back when I was in seventh grade and it was like winter and I would just like play Fortnite the entire winter break. I'll just like go upstairs for like some mac and cheese. And that was my only time I would not be playing Fortnite throughout the day. And it's just a reminder of a peaceful time. And I also think just applying it like to your routine, uh, video games in general are pretty bad, I would say, for you, productivity wise. Definitely something that I get in trouble with a lot is at times it seems that I have like kind of like that sort of like addiction to video games because it's a nice, you know, it's a nice outlet. It's a nice kind of like, get away from reality by doing this fantasy thing that, you know, I can just do whatever I want without consequence. And, you know, we see a lot of people who kind of follow that like stoic path be so anti like video games. They're like, Oh, what does it matter? Like you don't get anything of value. Like, why would you do that at all? And I think my kind of argument against that is that, you know, if you have one vice and it's like video games, that's a pretty, pretty healthy vice to have. Like if you need to like, go like take some take some emotion out on something and you're like all right i'm gonna go game for a second because that allows me to like disassociate from what's going on like that's uh, there's so many worse options for you that i feel like that kind of like negative harping on video games that a lot of like the stoic community and like these like influencers who want to be like this is how you be productive this is how you be successful all kind of just like throw shade at video games some of it is warranted but you also have to realize that we live in like a digital age and you're going to play video games. Like, it's very rare to find somebody who's like, I don't play any video games at all. Not on my phone, not on my 
computer, not on my console. Like there's, there's very few people who are like that. And so it's just like regulating, which I'll admit I have not done well doing that because I've like just played Fortnite my entire free time this week. But when you go to Colorado School of Mines, you know, it's something you just got to do. You got to play Fortnite, get through the physics homework, got to play Fortnite. Um, I will say I don't have a 50% win rate. That was bad context. That was one day. It's, it's actually like 20% now, but you know, that's fine. I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll catch, I'll catch some dubs all the time. I, I feel like we should say, you know, if you want to play Fortnite with the Gen Z Stoics from time to time, let us know. Let us know. But that's kind of my perspective on it is it's it's nice to have it as an outlet, whether it's nostalgia wise or just like because it's fun to do. It's a nice like activity that brings you joy, brings you some happiness. But you have to moderate it with anything as with anything else. You have to moderate it. You can't spend all day just kind of sitting in your pajamas, playing Fortnite, playing whatever video game you like. You're not going to do anything with your life that way. But you also can't just say, you know, I'm never going to touch a video game again because they don't provide any value because that's not that's not true. If you think about like the gaming community, like you said, nostalgia, like when we played Fortnite in middle school, it was with all our friends. That's where the nostalgia hits is it was with all our friends and we had not a care in the world. And that's a sense of community, which everybody needs from time to time. Everybody needs actually pretty constantly. So if you know if the gaming community is your community, so be it. Just make sure it doesn't get in the way of your goals is all I'd say. Well, the thing is, too, is the I think the reason that a lot of people would like to criticize video games is, one, they are addictive and they will keep you from being productive. And so a lot of people would rather just cut them out completely rather than saying maintain balance. A lot of the times it's easier to simply leave something 100 percent behind when you're trying to move forward instead of mitigate um, you know, like a balance because it's hard to do at first because oftentimes we'll try to tell ourselves, oh, I'll just do this once or twice a week and that turns into three or four times and then five or six and then all seven days of the week. So it's not even that even other uh, vices like you were talking about, not video games, if you resorted to smoking or to drinking, it's not even that those things themselves and their nature aren't bad or make you a bad person. It's it one, it's going to depend on what you want to do and what your goals are. So if you are someone who really cares about your physical health, then it's going to seem a lot more severe to smoke or to drink or to do something that comes at the expense of your physical health. But if you're someone who under, who takes a more, I guess, balanced approach saying, oh, one time is okay, you know, and that works for you. It's not that those individual things make you bad. It's when they become consuming of your productivity and they become more invasive of the time spent doing things that are going to actually help you progress forward. That's when they become a problem. And so that's why you hear people say, oh, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. It's very hard to actually only be productive all the time because then you get burnt out and you end up being less productive than if you let your mind go for a little bit. Sort of relevant to me. I've had my friends tell me I'm too hard on myself that I need to relax, let my mind off of some things. Even my mom was telling me that she was like, you need to just unwind for a little bit. And it's very hard. There is sort of a toxic I guess, hustle culture today that we have experienced where they're saying hustle, hustle, hustle all the time, no breaks. While there is an importance in, you know, constantly trying to be better, there also is an importance in let, in doing something mindless, not using your brain for once and letting yourself relax and just be yourself without having to worry about things. 
it's like you it's like using your phone you can use your phone on all the time but it's going to drain your battery and you're going to have to do something that recharges your battery before you can use it for extensive periods of time again i just thought it was interesting because like you were saying with video games it's not bad we're not unproductive now because we chose to you know return to some nostalgia playing fortnite in these these past few days that's not the issue the issue is when it becomes you know consuming of your productivity you are then unable to keep moving forward with your life because now you're consumed by something that is known to be addictive we know that video games are addictive we know that things like that that spike your dopamine super high are addictive and that's why people develop you know unhealthy habits and consumption levels with these things but it's not the actual act of playing video games that makes you a bad person it's simply understanding the balance and how you can do both at the same time yeah it's it's essentially whether it's going to be an outlet or an excuse for you you know it's it's very nice to have an outlet especially if you're somebody who's kind of like a big picture thinker like the two of us we get into it with like conspiracy theories and like how the world works and are always thinking at things like deeply like for instance we're talking about Fortnite and we're somehow making it philosophical but when you go through life like that a i believe it's a better way to live because it's always better to always be questioning things and never be satisfied with just like people telling you what to think what how to live life what to do but also you have to um look at it in terms of i fucking forgot where i was shit that's why I paused because I figured I'd do that. All right. For me, it's definitionally whether you use video games or really for that matter, any vice as an outlet or an excuse, right? As an outlet, if you're somebody who's like a deep thinker, somebody who looks at things like big pictures, always questioning, you need something that's simple like video games to be your outlet. Because then, like you said, you can just turn your brain off and it's kind of mind numbing because everybody needs that. You can't go through life 100% of the time on or 100% of the time off. Like there's going to be t moments where you're, you're full bore, whether it's like academics or your job, and you're just working, 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 and you need to turn your brain off. Video games are a great use for that. Like that's a great use of video games if that's how you use them as an outlet. But if you use them as an excuse, like, nah, you know what? I'd rather play this game then do x y and z that's part of my normal routine then it becomes an excuse then it becomes a problem and as i've i've been reflecting kind of on the philosophical side of things i'll say something that's kind of counterintuitive kind of transitional to what a stoic podcast would say is that while we emphasize stoicism on this podcast do not kind of only get boxed into one school of philosophy that's something i've been thinking about um besides Fortnite this week is I recently picked up a lot of um, John Locke's works, some uh, empiricist school philosophy kind of works, and it's very good. You know, we we promote stoicism pretty consistently, but there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, stoicism is cool for this, but like, so is this other school. Like ph 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 philosophy in, in general is just like a great thing to read. If you had to choose reading material, choose a book from philosophy. It doesn't have to be a specific school of philosophy because Ultimately, everybody's life experiences are different. So while we found stoicism to be the best fit for us, other schools of philosophy, like they, they may fit better for you. I like stoicism because it's simple. That's why it resonated with me the most. It was the simplest way to change my mindset and change my life. And I like simplicity, especially with philosophy, which can get very complicated very quickly. When something is that simple where you can just like read it for five minutes, you're like, oh, that's a clear takeaway. 
it's very plain language. Like, I, I feel like that's why stoicism has resonated well for me, but maybe it doesn't for you. And so, you know, whether it's like John Locke or whether it's Nitschke or some other school of philosophy, as long as you're reading philosophy, I feel like you're doing, you're, you're being different because our generation, I look at it kind of black and white, like 50% of our generation either has like no purpose or meaning whatsoever and are satisfied with like temporary satisfactions, temporary outlets, social media, partying, hookup culture, all those things. But there's also 50% of our generation that is very, very desperate for, for, for purpose, for meaning. And they're looking for someone to tell them how to do that. We can see that whether it's like Sam Sulik or Andrew Tate or any of these like big guys like Goggins who people just flock to them because look at them, they're successful, you know, but some of those guys say the wrong things. They say very irresponsible things for people to have that size of platform. And so, you know, I was reflecting that while yes, we are a stoic podcast, if we can turn our audience on a philosophy in some way, shape or form, we're doing our job. It doesn't have to be stoicism. It doesn't even have to be anything related to stoicism, if we're being completely honest. If it's something that's philosophy and tells you, here's how this author thinks that you can improve your life, go try it out because you'll find something that works. There's there's not a book of philosophy that you can find where you're going to read it from front to back and say, I did not learn a single thing. I did not get a single piece of worth, worthy advice throughout this entire text. Yeah, especially if you approach it with a closed or with an open mind, then you're going to find yourself learning a lot of new things and uh, learning new perspectives. You said you've been reading a lot of John Locke. I have this book right next to my meditations book um, for the camera to see. Uh, the Huangzu. It's a it's Taoism, which is Chinese philosophy, and Tao is basically it's it's very similar to Stoicism. It just happens to be you know based more in Chinese beliefs, but it's still the idea of Tao basically signifies like what in parentheses quote they call the or not parentheses in quotes they say the way and that's sort of what stoicism is finding like the way of constant evolution like the way of life basically so there are different beliefs taken in all of these different forms yet they all portray very similar concepts just in in shared in different beliefs and cultures so it might look different but you can find a lot of parallels the more you branch out to different forms of stoicism, I'm assuming you found parallels with Locke and stoicism. Um, if you want to get into that, you can in a second, but I'm just, the point that I'm trying to make is it's not that, you know, one form of philosophy is going to be correct. We're not, we're not only emphasizing stoicism, like stoicism is the only way there are plenty of schools of philosophy that come from different areas of the world, different time periods that are all going to be very relevant and are going to teach you something. I think that's why we, enjoy philosophy so much that's why when people ask me what our podcast is about i don't say stoicism i say philosophy because even though we are the gen z stoic being philosophical isn't only relevant in the school of sto in stoicism you can be philosophical and believe being philosophical essentially to me is the art of questioning deeper meaning right and you have these discussions with people and you question what is deeper and what is more meaningful and what is going to lead you in the way right or being more purposeful so any artifact any book any lesson any teaching that you can find no matter where it's from obviously who it's from is relevant and where it's from but you get what i'm trying to say whatever you can find there will be a lesson in it that you can learn and then the more that you expand your horizons within the realm of philosophy the more you're going to learn 
and you're going to be more well-rounded in this area and have deeper conversations. If you only study one school of philosophy, you're going to be very limited to your own beliefs. And it's going to be very hard for you to understand what other people are saying about other schools. Yeah, I think, you know, it's actually more beneficial if you read multiple schools of philosophy, because as with anything, the more you read, the more well-rounded person you become in that topic area. And if philosophy, like the simplest definition I found is just like the love of wisdom. You look it up on the internet, like what's the simple definition of philosophy? It's the love of wisdom. And there's no better way to get wisdom than to just consume a bunch of information from a variety of sources. It's with any kind of topic, you become informed by looking at it from like every perspective possible. That's how you become informed on a topic and develop your own opinion. And so the same goes with philosophy. You know, you may enjoy this podcast. We really hope that you do and enjoy the school of philosophy that is stoicism. But even if it works for you, go explore other things. Like I've learned, uh, I've learned from Confucianism as well. I, I've read that Taoism book as well. I, I gave that book to you, Matteo. So I've read that as well. Locke right now, it's interesting. John Locke is more of like a political philosopher. Many of his works relate to like political rights and the idea of limited government and those kind of things. So it's not like a true parallel there because Stoics, while they were political, their writings seem to be pretty apolitical. And so Locke does not choose to take that route. And that's what I appreciate as someone who's very invested in politics and making a change. That's why I enjoy reading Locke right now. Some of his like more like being like mindset kind of existence things are about how, you know, we have no innate ideas as human beings, how everything we learn comes from experience. Every thought that we have, every idea that we have, every opinion that we build comes purely from your human experience. It's not something that you're programmed with. And he's a really big believer in reason, which is obviously something that Stoics believed in. But it's something that is a kind of kind of a common thread within philosophy is that the biggest separator between humans and animals is the fact that we are able to reason and logic. That's like our biggest separator. The difference is, is how we go about using that. That's kind of the difference between the schools of philosophy. Because, and I think to Locke's credit, it's because all of these philosophers live different experiences. So you live different experiences, you know, you're going to come away with different opinions on how life is best lived. And so I think that's something that's to John Locke's credit when he writes those things. Um, so if you haven't checked out John Locke, if you're somebody who is both philosophical and political, like myself, very good read. I'm sure you've heard of John Locke, but go ahead and give that a shot. Uh, you know, I've kind of led with ideas, Mateo. So is there anything you've experienced in the past week that you'd like to talk about? Well, before I do... Well, before I do, I want to actually say, build off that real quick. You, It was interesting because I know you as a political person. Um, and so it makes sense that you sort of got into the political philosophy like John Locke. I've been more of, uh, on, in contrast, sort of, I'm more of an existentialism sort of philosopher in that area. I, I like the um, existential, blah, 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 blah. I like the existential questions that question basic human existence i find those very compelling so i've never been much of a political person i'm not necessarily closed-minded to it it's just never really piqued my interest like it has for you and i know i mean i would probably say i'm more interested in that area than you are in terms of asking the existential questions and that's why it's beautiful is because there is always an area of philosophy that's relevant to 
what interests you. There are many categories of philosophy, but also philosophy isn't just limited to the labels or to the categories that we've defined. Philosophy essentially is limitless because it's it goes hand in hand with your thoughts and your mind and your questions. So whatever you think or question, there is an answer that philosophy can provide. And so I guess that's sort of my closing piece on that remark. But when it comes to the things that have happened to me this week, more of a sort of just a current event in my life, I guess. Um, I do miss home a fair amount. I haven't been home since I've been out here. So I think one of my good friends recently came and visited me from Arizona. Um, and I, two of them did. But the one I was talking to about this, he said uh, that home doesn't feel like home anymore. He went he went back home recently in October and he said home and it feels, you know, familiar like we grew up there, but it doesn't really feel like home. And I thought that was interesting that he said that because he said that he doesn't really feel like he has a home at the moment. So I'm very interested to see how it's going to feel to go back to the place that I grew up in and see how it feels different now that I've been living my own life out here in L.A. Um. So the, the the home for me, I've sort of been reflecting on some like, well, what is home then? Because I still feel like I have a home, you know, back in Colorado. But if it's not going to feel that way anymore, then what is home? And I really think home is a the internal aspects of yourself that you've mastered. You can be at home with yourself, but also it's the very close knit group of individuals that you surround yourself by. Home uh, is people to me. Right. So my friend who came out, that was like a piece of home that came to visit me. That's what it felt like. So I don't think home really is a place anymore. I think home essentially is what you make it. It's the people and the relationships that you cultivate and that you really put your mind and your effort towards that become your home, that become your safe spot, that become comfortable. You'll always have, you know, sort. it's sort of a bittersweet thing to talk about, right? Going home and you're like, oh, I, this isn't really me anymore. But that's also beautiful because that shows how much we've grown even in this short amount of time being being adults we've already taken steps forward in our lives to where we are sort of forced to leave other things behind and put things down so we can pick new things up that doesn't mean that we're going to completely forget but it means that you have to let go of your past sometimes you have to put things down in your past that you can't change and you can't dwell or else you're never going to be able to step forward into new things i just recently and we talked about this off camera um, probably for the better, but getting a little vulnerable. I was not doing the best mentally the past, you know, few weeks, like month. And what what happened that made it a lot better was one actually. This has happened twice to me since I've been out here. Was journaling. Um, had a very I've had two very big issues since I've been out here, and I journaled on both of them. And almost immediately after I journaled, like the day or day or two after, I felt much better. And that just reminds me that I need to keep journaling and meditating on these thoughts that I'm having, because when I write them out, then I'm better able to understand myself, which is a basic stoic principle. But the the biggest thing that helped me get through this, right, was reflecting to the point where I understood that there were a lot of mistakes that I've made in the past that I had to let go of. And I had been holding on to some of these for years and years and years. Well, if you hold on to so many things they accumulate over the years, your hands are going to get heavy and you're going to be unable to move forward unless you set these things down. And you have to be forgiving, forgiving of yourself. And you have to understand that those other people, you know, that you may have hurt in the past are also going to forgive you or else they're not going to move on forward. That's a big thing about that 
uh, stoicism preaches that aligns also with my religious beliefs is forgiveness. I'm not going to be dive into my religious beliefs at the moment, but the idea of forgiveness is a very, you know, interconnected ideology between beliefs around the world, which I find interesting because forgiveness, right? If you hold a grudge against somebody, you're not hurting them. You're really just holding yourself and holding yourself back. The reason that I chose to forgive was not for the other people because they're not going to notice it's for yourself. It's for me. So I that this is something I will, I've been really wanting to talk on air about for a little while now that I've sort of had this revelation is the more forgiving of a person you are, the more peaceful your life is going to be. Simply put, it's very easy to be mad about things that happened a long time ago that you couldn't control or you wish you could change, but you can't. That That is a harsh reality to face sometimes is you are not in control of these things. As humans, we like to be in control of as much as we can because it's kind of scary when things happen to us and we don't know why. So understanding that we aren't in control allows us to really immerse ourselves into the human experience and just be at peace with who we are and be able to pick new things up and grow forward. I know that was a lot. That's just sort of unpacking everything that I've been thinking about this week. No, that's, that's great. I'll unpack it as well. Um, I think if we start off with like home, for me, the concept of home is not like a dwelling. It's not a physical place, but it's a state of mind. Home is like where you feel comfortable, the people you feel comfortable with, the the place where you feel that you can be yourself the most. That's what that's really what home is. And, you know, the Stoics had an interesting kind of train of thought on home that like we have a restless mind and that's why our home changes. That's why we change our dwelling so much is that we feel like we have to move from place to place to place. But we establish that sense of home if we still move place to place to place, but we uphold our beliefs. We stay with the people who make us feel like we're at home. That's 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 truly the train, the stoic train of thought in terms of home. Is that you know, especially now, it's only gotten worse now, where we constantly feel like we have to move, we have to be doing something. You know, whether it's moving from one city to another, or we move jobs, or we transition. There's always life is never like still. Life is never quiet. So the only way that you establish a sense of home is that. Through all this noise, through all this kind of inconsistency, through all this, you change your dwelling, you uphold the same sense of beliefs and values, and you stay with the same group of people who make you feel valued, who make you feel like you can be yourself and give you that feeling of, this is a comfortable place for me to be, where I can share these values with these people. As long as you have that kind of state of mind and you feel comfortable and you are kind of, you know, have that sense of belonging, you're always going to be home no matter where you are. And I think, you know, It's easier for me to say that being in Colorado where I'm like a 40 minute drive to my house versus being in California and you haven't been home in a couple of months. It's much easier for me to say that, but I also feel like you going through kind of that revelation reveals to me that like, you know, it may be tough at times, but you eventually come to that realization. Like for you, it sounds like having Brody out there. That's what it was is that helped you get to that place. And so, you know, Again, it's those people. It's those people who make you feel valued, who bring back that feeling of home. It's those people. It's those people who you want to keep around you. Because, you know, when times are tough, when you're going through things, you're going to need those people. You know, you have to go through some things in isolation, but home is not one of those things. Home is a place where you have to share it with other people. Home is not something where it can just be something in isolation. You know, it's very easy to say, you know, oh, you should retreat into your mind. But you can do that within the context of home. It's not like one precludes the other. 
And so we kind of combine those two thoughts and that's just kind of the, the stoic train of thought, which very much applies to modern day because I cannot say that we have gotten less restless as a society. If anything, we've gotten 10 times worse. So, you know, throughout the hubbub of the day, if you return to a place with people or just that feeling where you can be yourself, that's home. And, you know, many people don't have that option and it's very unfortunate. And so my solution is, you know, people, it's people driven. It's people driven. If you don't have a physical location of home and you're struggling with where that is, it's people driven. There's people out there for you. There's people out there who make you feel like, you know, like I'm this awesome person. It's great to be me. Like, and those are the people, again, you want to surround yourself with. And as to address kind of your second kind of the second part to that, the forgiveness aspect, it's something that, you know, I think I struggle with in terms of forgiveness. For me, it's basically like the first step you actually can take is um, the ability to not get offended. And, you know, that may look like you're kind of a rude person because you say, you know what, I don't care enough about that comment to get mad at that. But it's a healthy way to look at things. Like for us, when we receive negative feedback, because we certainly have, it's actually good for us. Like it keeps us in check. We we really welcome negative feedback. You know, would we much rather, you know, get, you know, told like, hey, we really love what you guys are doing rather than someone like, you know, has a actual, like they have a valid significant complaint about the podcast? Yes, we would much rather get that support than what we consider constructive criticism. But that's part of like the forgiveness aspect is the acceptance of criticism. That's something that I, I kind of relate the two in my mind is that with forgiveness, A, you don't have to forgive if you don't get angry in the first place. If you don't feel like you've been wronged in the first place. There's so many stoic quotes that the only reason, like the only way that somebody can harm you is if you feel harmed. So many stoic quotes that are along those exact same lines to where that's the first step of like forgiveness is you don't have to forgive somebody if you don't let them like kind of aggress you and like offend you in some way. And instead you just kind of sit down and like solve the problem rather than just you two getting angry at each other. But secondly, if you get to that forgiveness aspect, use it as like kind of a constructive criticism process, because if you have to forgive somebody, if they've done something wrong to you, it's kind of a process of like thinking, Hmm, why did they do that? Why did I get offended? Like, what was the situation? It's kind of like, you know, like you're reviewing the film of like what that situation happened because you, you don't often, I feel like, at least for me, I don't often get in situations where like, I feel like that angry that I'm like, I might have to hold a grudge or like, I'm going to have to truly forgive this person for that because they really upset me. I don't often feel like that. So if you're, if you can are able to get to that point, which I feel like it's, it's easy. It's easy to get to that point. You just have to go through life and, you know, Take it seriously, but not to where anything is personally against you. People say a lot of things. It's not a personal attack on you. Very rarely, it's a personal attack on you. And if it's a personal attack on you, that just simply says more about that person's character than anything about you. And I feel like, you know, that's kind of cliche to get told that. But if you tell yourself that enough, it eventually just becomes ingrained to the point where you're like, all right, whatever, man, have your moment. Because I'd, I'd... you're not going to stop them. So my point being kind of towards this long rant is if you get to a point where you're in that mindset, but you still get offended, you still get to a point where you're going to have to forgive somebody. That's a monumental point because that means that that had a true impact on you. And so I think that shows you two things. One, okay, I need to look at the situation, the context, and maybe 
if there's any fault on my part. And two, it shows you that that person matters to you. I, I you know, I think, I think that's kind of where you're going, knowing kind of the context of your week is that f- when you have to forgive somebody, it means that they truly matter to you because you care enough about what they said, what they did to be hurt by that. And so I, for me, I think those rare instances where I do have to forgive, that's the conclusion I always make is forgiving is worth it because I'm forgiving somebody who really matters to me. And I would much rather kind of look like, you know, vulnerable or rude or like the worst person if it means that I get to maintain that relationship. And that's why I think forgiveness is all about is maintaining those good relationships with people who are worth forgiving. And in the end, when you eventually, you know, have that talk about forgiveness and you end up talking to someone and you get through it, you understand that it wasn't ever you versus that person or it wasn't a personal attack. Nobody had malicious intent. Oftentimes it was either one of three things, right? Somebody acted out of emotion and made it the wrong decision. Two, there was a miscommunication, which I find to be usually the most common. There was a miscommunication or misinterpretation of something that was said. Or three, yes, something bad what did happen, but that usually is not the case. Some like something of malicious intent was imposed, but that usually is not what happens. It's usually one of the first two. And one, I went to this um a long time ago. I there was this uh keynote speaker at this event that I went to. And I remember this quote, and it stuck with me ever since. It said, wherever uh, communication, wherever there is a lack of communication, chaos fills that void. Absolutely true, right? So it's not really related to forgiveness, but just in general, when you fail to communicate with people, right, then chaos or bad or whatever is negative is going to fill where you are lacking the communication. But going back to, uh, you made a comment about, I felt better when Brody came out to see me. And my friends came out to see me and I had that talk and that's right. And that I want to emphasize the point that you cannot, that is proof. If this isn't proof, I don't know what is, but that was proof that you cannot do, you cannot go through life by yourself. You cannot truly be alone. And we, we had this episode about how isolation will change your life. There's a very big difference between isolation and actually being lonely or being alone in life, right? You need to isolate yourself sometimes but you cannot go through life with nobody backing you up. And also his perspective on, you know, his experiences in his life helped sort of make me feel like I was not alone in the situation and the feelings that I was experiencing. It made me, you know, kind of realize, oh, I'm not the only buddy. I'm not the only person in this situation, which was good. And I thought it was interesting that you said, you know, the only reason we have to forgive is because we allow ourselves to be hurt. I've never... We haven't talked about that in a while. We ta- I remember we talked about that. I think it was one of the first, you know, two, three, four episodes, but we actually haven't brought that back up in a while. That is such a powerful quote or an, an idea that the only reason that you were hurt was because you allowed yourself to be. And you're absolutely right that we only have to forgive the people that we truly care about because that's when it hurts the most. You know, if some random person came up to you on the street and, you know, slurred you and or get, called you a slur and cussed you out, right? Like... <laughs> there's not you're not gonna care you're not gonna slur to you yeah i think i think that is a that's a new um phrase slur to you i apologize 
cuss you out or or right you're not going to care because you do not you do not care about that person um that was arguably the worst grammar i've had since i've been here so i apologize to anybody who had to witness that that was terrible for those of you who can't see ren's dying on the other side of the screen right now due to my inability to think and to speak um point being though forgiveness it's essential you cannot live a happy and peaceful and meaningful life without being forgiving that said you also will not live a meaningful or happy or peaceful life with having people get under your skin a lot easier you need to have a thicker skin you need to be more resilient and kind of be able to just brush things off and not get offended by everything like you were saying everyone gets offended by everything now so it's very easy to say oh well it's, i'm not offended i just make excuses but at some point you have to have a threshold between being offended and just letting things go and not taking them personally. Oftentimes the reason we take things personally is because we don't understand that it's mere projection from the other person. Most times when people act out or say the wrong thing, that's just projection of how they're feeling on the inside. So I, I do not have anything more really to add besides another apology for my grammar and not making up like words and sentences and stuff. But no, I, I think that is the purpose behind the unscripted is, you know, we try to be perfect in the podcast, but we're two human beings who are not perfect. And while we have a lot of those moments that we usually cut out, we're going to we're just going to leave that one in because it's a personalized episode. It's just us. But one final point I'd like to make about the forgiveness aspect is that we talk about balance and we talk about, you know, everything has to have a balance. You have to do everything in moderation, blah, 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 blah. blah. When we had the friends episode, which you were right, was like one of our very first episodes, we talked about the importance of setting hard boundaries, even with your closest friends. And so I think forgiveness actually plays a role in that, because if you always forgive, if you're someone who's like, oh, that's that nice guy who like can't, you know, always forgives, you're never really going to upset that person. Then you get walked on like you just everybody's going to step on you. Everybody's going to realize that, you know, I can say or do whatever. And he's just going to, you know, he's going to forgive me. And so. That's not a person you want to be. You don't want to be the person who just kind of gets, you don't really have a will. You don't have a, a voice or anything because people just realize that they can step all over you. You don't want to be that person, but you also don't want to be the person who never forgives. Those are both two people who aren't very successful in life because the person who never forgives doesn't have the support of the people around them. They don't have the support of the people around them because they don't like them. And then the person who always forgives doesn't have the support of the people around them either because the people around them don't recognize them as a unique being. They don't recognize them for who they are because they recognize them as somebody who's easy to just kind of step on, say things to that, you know, maybe are mean, but that person's going to forgive me. So, oh well, so you don't want to be either one of those people. You want to find a healthy balance just as, just as with anything else. But I think it's important when we talk about balance to look at the two ends of the spectrum and explain why those are negative. So as we wrap up today's episode, a lot of good content here today. Um, we're going to apply a lot of new things to the podcast, make it a bit more professional of a podcast, something that looks legit, something that gets our audience to give us more feedback, get more engaged audience, get our audience members on the podcast is something we really want to do. Um, so shout out, Sean, for doing that. It was a great event, learned a lot of stuff. But to that end... Um, we're going to be asking for a lot more feedback. Let me ask them for something that resonates with you. 
we talk about a lot of different things on this podcast, especially unscripted episodes where they kind of go wherever we want them to, whatever we experience throughout the week. And we just want to know like what resonates with our audience. Because if we can say one thing that resonates with each audience member, if they can take away one thing from the episode that makes them like stop and say, hmm, it's a good point, then we've done our job and we're happy with that. And so we'd just like to, you know, see that that's happening. And we like to know what you guys enjoy about the podcast so that we can do more of it and less of maybe the stuff that you don't so much enjoy. Well, I think in the future, it's not too much to say that there will be, you know, more improvements to come in the near future as a matter of fact you know it's going to take some time and some effort but i think that you know with the the insights that we gain we understand that this podcasting hobby thing that we do on the side right is a process and we do take it very seriously as much as we can while still trying to balance you know school and work and life right so there will be improvements to come and i'm very excited to see you know how this improves forward and how it uh how we can further engage with our audience and be more connected as a community speaking of communities if you are new and you have listened this far be sure to check out our website genzystoic.com we have a group section and we would love for you to join our groups and get involved with our community um check out our website we have articles that we have uh published and that we will be publishing in the future about you know what are relevant to stoic topics and sometimes relevant to our episodes and on that note, this has been the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, Season 2, Episode 11, Stoics Unscripted. Part 2. Thank you for listening.